So if you'll turn with me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. Tuesday morning I was waking up. Father, I ask you just to help in a short amount of time to put a few things in front of us, then by your Spirit demonstrate them in us, and then may we come to a, a fresh consecration of what you're doing with your altar. Lord, it's a lot, but you can, you can overflow it all and make it much more than we could ever accomplish, and we want it by the Spirit, through the Spirit, in our midst, in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, I'm waking up, and I was uh, seeing this dynamic over and over again of how we as believers can find ourselves out of sweet union and communion with the Lord. And what was returning to me was an old, I learned it when I got born again in the charismatic renewal and the Pentecostals were still around. And it, it, was an un, it, was, it was often referred to as, I was in the flesh. I got in the flesh yesterday, meaning me, the believer, went the way of the flesh and its feeling, its emotions, its actions, its efforts. And then the other term was, I was in the spirit. And we often joked about that we could be in the spirit, in service, walk out to the car, parking lot, get at a red light, and be in the flesh. And it was understood that you could go in and out. And it wasn't a moral issue. It was just a kind of a location. Where were you locating from? Where were you operating from? So uh, I got up early because of what was generating I, in Revelation 1, I heard this over and over again. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. And I knew that was John speaking. But he begins in verse 9. I, John, you're both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, John is in the most precarious place, and if there was ever a reason to quit and retire and just stop, it would have been his. But instead, he's 90-some years old, and they've locked him up on a prison island, and he's there because the kingdom and patience of Jesus has brought a lot of tribulation against him. And the apostles taught the early church that through much tribulation, you will go through, through much tribulation, enter the kingdom. So the kingdom and patience of our Lord Jesus attracts tribulation so that the tribulation can be countered with the patience. But it's all about trying to displace us in or out of the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 3 says that we can, through a hardened heart, come into unbelief and literally depart from the living God. We're not, we're not, it's not a static relationship it's a forever eternal position granted, but it is something to which we pursue. God is a rewarder of us who diligently seek him. If you don't diligently seek him, he doesn't reward you. He's not a casual, he doesn't reward the casual. He says, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. So there is a, somehow God thinks he's important. I don't get it. He just, he should be the one making us feel important, but he, he knows that. When we try to feel important, we all end up in idolatry and misery. But if we make him the important one, everything flows, because to him is all the glory, and from him comes all the grace. So John is in a place, 
And it's there because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. But verse 10 says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, which is Sunday. So though he had the reason to stop, he maintained or pursued or found the ability, which is what we're going to do right now, to be in the spirit. That's our responsibility. John didn't. So it wasn't persecution that could push him out. It wasn't the pressure of the tribulation. It wasn't the patience he was having to endure. It wasn't the injustice that he was in the midst of. He was just in that. That was where he was located, but in where he was was in the spirit. Then it says, um, I, suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet saying, I am the alpha, the omega, the first and the last, what you see right in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardius, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. For time, I'm going to stop there. But he proceeds to enter into a vivid vision of the resurrected, glorified Messiah, Christ Jesus. But what happened was he was in the Spirit. That's our part. We all are going to learn today and reignite a practice of being in the Spirit. I don't wake up in the Spirit. I sometimes am being influenced by the Holy Spirit in my dreams, and so I'm waking up in that direction, and so therefore, yes, I come alive immediately. But other times I wake up in the flesh. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm less spiritual because I woke up in the flesh or the Spirit, because it's my responsibility every day to return and come back into and re-acknowledge my place in Christ. So, in Romans chapter one, 8, verse 1, we're going to practice real quickly, just like 10 verses, and if we'll take each one of them and, and, and do them, I believe you will, you will witness that presence. That's, and then we will talk about the altar for a couple minutes, and then we want to ignite that, because all of us, God intended for us to have an altar at our home, an altar in his house. So therefore, there is no... Now no condemnation, the apostle says after Romans 7, to those who are in Christ Jesus. The rest of the verse is not recorded in the manuscripts, and it really doesn't matter if it was or wasn't. It's true. If you start walking in the flesh, you're going to be in trouble. If you walk in the Spirit, you're going to stay in the place of provision. But because of Jesus Christ, in Christ, there's no condemnation. So all I'm trying to do every day is remind myself by returning and entering in into a vital union in Christ, in the Spirit, then I know I'm, I'm totally there. I'm good. I'm kind. Everything's wonderful. Doesn't matter how the world's going around me, my circumstances affecting me, the tri tribulation I'm having to walk through, I'm in a good place because I'm in Christ. I'm in the Spirit. But beyond that is I'm open to hear. Suddenly, suddenly there was the voice behind, and he turns to see. When he turns to see, he sees. It's, it's, it's a progressive revelation. And many of us have learned Christ, have served him faithfully, and you're ready to go into some big progressive revelations. God needs us to because this man wrote a book out of this encounter because he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, that we're still gaining a lot of comfort, support, and of a command of blessing whenever we read it. So we're in Christ. 
For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. So I don't have to try to sort that out. For what the law could not do, because it was weak, through our flesh. We all know that if we tell ourselves, I'm going to do what I'm being told to do, you will fail eventually, and you will probably incite the, res the resistance of your, your own self against it. Take it dieting. I'm going to diet. Start, I'm going to start. Next thing you know, you crave what you decided you were going to do without. It's kind of a law-based principle. But on account, the Son of God came in likeness of sinful flesh. And account of sin, he condemned sin to the flesh. So everybody take your, take your finger and pinch, pinch a piece of your skin. Okay, you can say, that's my flesh. All right? It's, it's, it's not in and of itself bad because the two shall become one flesh. It's, but it's where he now has condemned sin to. So we, carry, we live in a body that carries sin in it. If you don't believe that, just stop praying and reading your Bible for a week. You'll soon find out how powerful that flesh really becomes again. Come on, don't do that to me. You know it's true. You know it's true. You know it's true. So that the righteous requirement of the law might not be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now here's what I want to, what the Lord began to remind me again. This is not a moral issue. It's not even a choice issue. It's about where you place your mind, where you put your conscious thought and, and direct your thinking toward. So he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. So the mind is like the steering wheel. If I'm going to begin to ponder biblical truth, if I'm going to begin to desire to see and have an experience with Jesus, which is all what prayer is, then I'm going to have a place of life from the Spirit. But if I neglect that, I default to the flesh. You don't have to try to get in the flesh. I've never seen somebody go, you know, I'm going to go pray so I can get in the flesh. It's just, it's the, it's the default. Because we were born first of the flesh. Now we're born from above. We're learning to live from the place above. For to be carnally minded, and the word carnal is flesh. Same, same Greek words. So to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So there's, there's right there is the benefit of peace that comes and life that comes by setting my mind on the things of the spirit. Because the carnal or fleshly mind is enmity against God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus said the, our flesh profits us nothing. So we have to accept truth and say that's not then the means to which I shall come to God or serve God or approach God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor can it be. It cannot be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Like, for instance, if I had time, I would take us to Galatians 5, where the 17 works of the flesh plus the miscellaneous column is recorded. That is the conf conflict of the fruit of the Spirit that are in, in, that are in uh, fighting against one another, lusting against each other. And it'll say the wrath, wrath of man. 
in James chapter 1, it says the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Wrath is a strong emotion. It's, it's an emotion that begins to say, you know, I put up with this long enough, I got to deal with it. Or I can't be the one to just be quiet anymore. I'm going to say something. Or, um, uh, you know, I've got to step in and be the leader of the house. So I'm just going to tell my wife she's got to follow me. All of that's motivated by wrath. Not discovery, not love. And if you've ever done any of those, how, how well did it work? You know, it's just, it's just wrath. You can do wrath toward a righteous objective, and it's still sin. In the kingdom, the end does not justify the means. The means determines the end. So this is a, you can't please God in the flesh. So that means, wow, I've got to, get, I've got to learn how to get in the spirit. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. See the two places? In the flesh, in the spirit. Not in the flesh, I'm in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, now if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So let's stand up and let's all get in the spirit. Just real quick, won't take, a, take but a moment, put your mind on. Let's say this together. Dear Father, thank you for Jesus, that he became sin for me and died in my stead, and that you raised him from the dead, and he is my righteousness and my Lord, and the Spirit of Christ is in me. I now turn my mind and set it on these truths. In Christ, there is no condemnation, for the law of the Spirit of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. I am free from the law of sin and death. In Jesus' name. Now take a moment and pull on that. Receive that. You are in a different place right now. You're out of the flesh and in the spirit. The thoughts, don't let your thoughts follow. Well, you got to resolve this. you got to fix that. What about so-and-so? What about that? Just say, mind, mind you're on the things of the spirit. The resurrected Lord. The, the, the kindness of God. The fruit of the spirit. Praise you. Praise you. Go ahead. Keep, keep working. This is, we're practicing. Because God's coming in a powerful way. And the powerful way will sweep us off our feet if we haven't learned how to swim a little. So we're in, in the spirit. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Put, no, just praise him. Just praise him. 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 Okay, you can be seated. That's why when I come into a setting that's called for praise, I force my mouth to praise God. And I put my hands and I stick them up in the air. Because I want my body to be told, you're here to praise God, get engaged. Your mouth is where your head, your mouth will direct where your thoughts will go. I tell our children, tell my grandchildren, I tell them, if you've got thoughts you don't, don't desire, stop talking other direction. Speak the word, say the word out loud. Because once you talk, your mind has to go where you're talking. Does that make sense? So praise, and that's why it's time to be loud, guys. 
It's time to be loud in your praise. It's time to be purposeful. It's time to shout. It's time to put the arms up, not just so the emotion kicks. But we've got a lot of heavy depression and discouragement and insanity trying to grab people's minds. We got to get out of that. It's not going to go away because we're quiet. If you've ever noticed, when depression comes, you go, you shut down. It's meant to shut you down. That's why God gives us for depression, the spirit of heaviness, the garment of praise. Whoa! <laughs> praise you, Jesus! Praise you, Jesus! Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. I'm watching you get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. That's good. Okay. One more portion, and then we'll get to the altar. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. That's a bonus. That's the source of all healing all deliverance, all life. That doesn't require anybody's hands being laid on you. It's just the Spirit of God is in you. And the same, all he knows, he's the one who raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus didn't raise himself from the dead. Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. It was the glory of God. So if he's in me, he give life to my mortal body. So while I'm in the Spirit, let's do it again, stand up. This is going to be helpful. Where's your body hurting? What struggles affect where are your pain and aches? Right now, begin to say, Holy Spirit, I receive the life of God coming to this portion of my body that is in pain or dysfunction or disease. I say, you are raising my body into newness of life, renewing my body to live life fully. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Set your mind now, set your mind. I, my mind is set on, I'm healed. My mind is set on, life is flowing in my body. My mind is set on, I'm gonna be better every part of the day. Okay, seat down again. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You know, you can just, no, you don't have to do what the flesh tells you. Flesh isn't your boss. It's the car you're driving. But the car doesn't drive itself. You drive the car. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. So even though a born-again believer is living according to the flesh, death is flowing into their life, into their circumstances, and they're being powerless to stop it. But if we live by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So we're, 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 not, we're not hostile to our body, we're just not submitted to it. We're having our body submit to the truth and to what God has accomplished, and we're just saying, okay, body, you're hurting today? Well, in Jesus' name, I receive the same healing that comes, the same resurrection power the Holy Spirit used to bring you out of the grave. I receive his healing touch right now inside of me, and I just welcome it. And then you imagine it. You put your mind on the Holy Spirit's coming. He's healing that portion of my body. He's changing my blood. He's changing my, you know, wherever. 
For as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. For, for that's what we're learning. That's what Jesus was training his disciples. You're going to be led by the Spirit. I'm not going to be with you anymore. You're going to have to, I want to, te- I want to train you to be led. You're going to be led. That's the maturity, the, the we hosts of God, the, the matured sons. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, slavery, law, again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. I have such a good word for the mothers and dads on Sunday. It just came this morning. It's going to be so encouraging because we're not meant to try to be good moms and dads by ourselves. God has come to help us. <laughs> in all stages, in all ages, he's to be that help. And this is a key part of that. The spirit of adoption. Holy Spirit's going, Abba, 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 Father. So can we do that last thing? Stand up, Abba, Abba. Abba, 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 Abba. Just remember, we're just little babies. We're just little kids. We don't hardly know anything. Abba, Daddy. See. <laughs> Don't resist it. If you get childlike, that gets you inside kingdom demand, dynamics. Childlike faith. Ha ba, abba, 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 abba. Remember, pride is a work of the flesh. Self-consciousness is a work of the flesh. Hallelujah. You can be seated. That's good. It's coming. It's coming. We were babysitting our youngest granddaughter. She's eight months old, Cora. And she's sitting with us uh, f- uh, so that mom and dad could go out to dinner. And she's sitting with us. And I learned, you know, all these kids, you, nobody starts talking intelligently. They all babble. And so he, she went, ah! So you know what I did? I went, ah! Ah! Then I went, ah! And next thing you know, we're having a full-on conversation. And I'm thinking, this is about my prayer life. I'm sure it is, as far as intelligence. But God's going, come on, come alive. Speak to me. You are my son. You know what to be. You're not in the captivity anymore. You are my son. See, all this is happening because we're in the Spirit. Now, the thing that happened on Wednesday... Mm. The thing that happened on Wednesday was beginning in the prayer, Diane Colson, who's working with the youth today, she came back and she had said, well, I, I, of the places I traveled, I went, one, she went to three different places in the church, prayer room, and uh, cafe, I think, but she came to the altar. And the Lord said, I want you to kneel at the altar. And so she said, Okay. And the Lord gave her a posture, three postures of heart. One was the one of humility that comes and says, I, I really, I need, I want to be a place of receiving. I want to, you know, it's, altars are a place of exchange. It's where you left something that was of value to the Lord or something that was destructive and you wanted to be removed. And then she said, 
the Lord put her in the heart of receiving. Now receive the exchange. Receive my righteousness for your sin. Receive my joy for your sorrow. Receive my peace for your confusion. Receive, receive. And then she, he said, lift up your hands and begin to praise me. And praise me because it's, it is done. It is done. It is done. And she did that five times. Because in this house, from where those uh, banners are, that's the beginning of the altar to where that door is. And that's why there's a kneeling area. Because in the vision that we've put this sanctuary in is it would be an altar of exchange. Um, so then a number of other encounters started happening on Wednesday. And if we can get the worship team up, I think we're ready. But the thing that really began to capture my attention was, you know, in Revelation, we we're just there. Chapter 5 talks about the, the elders having harps and bowls. And the bowls are the prayers of the saints. And then chapter 8, in the first three or four verses, speaks of a mighty angel at, at the altar. And in his hands is incense and the prayers of the saints. I don't know anything else that gets to heaven other than prayer and giving. Everything else just seems to be occupying time and space. But he has the prayers of the saints. And he takes the coals of the altar. And then he begins to mingle the, the incense and the prayer of the saints with the coals. And he throws it down in heaven, from heaven to the earth. And the earth has earthquakes and thunders and lightnings. And the power of the prayers of the saints engaged before the Lord. So what altars mean to me, and I want to make an opportunity as we go into worship. Altar is like what baptism is, is a place of identification with death and resurrection. Altar is a place of, of exchange where I bring my prayer, but I also need the fire from the altar. It can be the incense before his presence. It can be the sacrifice that I have to atone and recognize. When I was a young, young man, I remember hearing Kenneth Hagin, who was old, much older, had gone through the Pentecostal movement, was in the faith, leading that in so many ways. And he said, you know, when the church was back in the day, there was Sunday morning, Sunday night, and there was Wednesday. And Sunday night was the night of the altar, and everyone would go and work their stuff out with God. Meaning that you could you'd be free to, to, to do business. You weren't trying to hide. You weren't trying to um, uh, dismiss. It's the opposite. You know, he said, then there came the sophistication. The church started to begin to give more room for families to have more time. Maybe that was a good idea. So we, we did away with the Sunday night. And then he said, once we did away with the Sunday night altar, we started counseling on Mondays. Because there was no exchange process. There was no moment to which what I'm carrying that I don't want to be carrying, I got to let go and release it and lay it down. Or what I'm hearing that I don't know how to process, I need to get to the place where I'm hearing the process and fully engaged in it. So. I want to open the, this altar this morning, and your chair can be an altar. Your house, you should have an altar. 
altar is a place where you meet the Lord. It's where if I said, oh, you said in the middle of a moment, I've got to go to be with God because I'm in the flesh. I've got to get back in that place in the spirit. You'd know where you went in your house, where, you, where you've met him before. And there's, there's opportunity, and it's going to grow. But Norco is going to share vision that she received uh, Thursday, Friday morning. And, and I believe with that, we'll then start to just close the service and make room for the altar. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Steve. So, after, so early Thursday morning after our Wednesday night service, knowing that there was going to be next Wednesday, this coming Wednesday, of uh, these infilling places, and Pastor Steve was talking about, there'll be a place where you can go and get all these different stations to get prayer. And um, so this is for Wednesday night, but it's also for this morning. And let me do this quick explanation. Three and a half years ago, we had a similar service. And the altar, there was a, a section a, a, that was called the Pool of Blessing, and it was the altar. And uh, I wanted to, of course, go to all the stations and get prayer, right? But the Lord kept me in that Pool of Blessing. And in that Pool of Blessing, uh, there was fire. There was the fire of God. Who there was healing, their deliverance. He was ministering and, and, and touching me in such a personal way and uh, in a time of great pain for me. So he, he was bringing physical pain and uh, emotional. So he, he, but it's coming back around again. And the reason I start with that idea of pool of blessing is this, the vision I had Thursday morning was I woke up in between sleeping and waking, you know, and I, I was like, I saw, we have a pool in our backyard and the water, all the water was going, it was super choppy. The only time I've ever seen that was when there's an earthquake <laughs> or I, I, I was I was thinking why you know in, in the spirit like what is this oh Lord choppy waters ahead please no <laughs> you know but um, he, he said John 5 so the pool of Bethesda you know when the angel touched the water and it was stirred uh, the first person who would get to that water would get healed of whatever disease he or she had and um, how that was the pool of Bethesda is where Jesus touched the lame man the paralytic for 38 years he waited there he was never the first one you know and so what the Lord was saying I'm like what are you saying Lord with these choppy waters and he, and he said um, there you know it's me like I am it's not just an angel or you know the angel of the Lord but it's the Lord's presence is here for us at his altar much abundance of his of that pool of blessing to heal each one of us. So it's not just the first one or the one who tries harder or prays more or whatever, but just all in, all in, all in. And that he wanted to encourage each one of us, each one of you, that there is a place of encounter Jesus has for you in this pool. And it was a lot of water. And I, I believe he said to me, the water was laughing, you know, like there's joy in this water, the river of life flowing through us. So he has this for us, for us to, by faith and, and like a prophetic act as we, as once Pastor Steve does this with us, but where we like literally are stepping in. So whether you come up to the altar, it's at your chair, but that you go, okay, I by faith step in to receive your blessing, to receive your healing, to receive your deliverance, to, to hear your voice. And uh, so be expectant for that because uh, he's, he wants that for you. Yeah. Amen. Thanks for Amen. Amen. Yeah. So we're going to begin to worship. We'll go for 10 minutes. That's no, no longer than I usually go. And if you'd like to join us up at the altar, otherwise you need to excuse yourself, that's understandable. But at 10 minutes, we'll release a blessing and let everyone know that we've done our part of trying to activate or engage or place ourselves in that position. Faith rise. You can make your chair an altar. Just 10 minutes of communion with the Lord in worship, in prayer, in the spirit, hearing what he's saying. And then we'll release blessing and we'll go 
into our day. Does that make sense? So what I'd like to do, and I think what Norco said was very powerful, move somewhere from where you are to, to the new place. It could be from one chair to another, but don't be passive. You see, there's no gift in the passivity. This is a seeking people, not a passive people. So engage on purpose, step into, step out of, step into, step out of, and let's just begin to, I'll let you guys lead us. Just start to talk to God and start to, start to tell him who he is and praise him for what he's done. Release the sin, the trouble, the struggle, and tell him it's enough for him to have accomplished it. And then, and then to receive the, the help that's coming and the mercy and the grace and to give him praise. Let's do it together. Yes. Yeah. 
Everybody online, you're, you're making your home an altar. You're just touching the Lord. All of us in this room, the multiple things that we can be going in and out of, we're in the Spirit together in Christ. And the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is giving life to our mortal body. So you and I can continue to receive the touch of God to heal, to save, to deliver, to allow Him to bring a resurrection miracle life in us. We can also be laying down our sin, our struggle, our offense, our hurt, our wound. Whatever is besetting us, whatever weight we're carrying, we can lay it down. We're not going to carry it home with us. We can be giving it over, casting our burden to Him. We can also be just engaged in this praise, just praising Him by calling Him perfect and beautiful and wonderful and worthy of all and turning all attention back to Him and myriads of other ways to stay engaged, Lord. We're all together a family. We're all coming to Father God because Holy Spirit's leading us to Papa and Jesus, our mediator, and also our great intercessor is helping us come out of where we've been into where he is. And we thank you. Engage us with greater anointing. Holy Spirit, fall on us now. Empower us to come into that encounter that we desperately need for you to provide for us in Jesus Christ.
Everybody stand, please. We'll continue with worship, but I wanted to keep my word, and I do believe this 10-minute exercise is going to bear much fruit in this week ahead. Take a moment and, and note, did I, that little whisper that went by me, that affirming thought about God's goodness over my life, that nudge to release something that I was carrying I no longer needed to carry in this life. The place to go discover who Jesus is in the scripture. The joy that starts to bubble up that you think, why well, I don't even know where this joy is coming from. Just take note what you felt and happened while we were here at the altar. And then when you leave, nurture the thought. Nurture, set your mind on that place that God's drawing you to, that's being led by the Spirit. And when we're led by the Spirit, there's un incredible, untold things that can happen. So that's the blessing I want to release today. Lord, Father, I bless this, your people here in the sanctuary, those at home, those who will be with us later, that the thing that you began in the midst of the heart the whispers that began to become stirrings, the thoughts that began to move us back to you in a newer way or greater way. 
that which you have started in the spirit now you will bring forth into perfection and maturity and activation in us throughout this week that the infilling service will be one to which there will be remarkable miracle help power from heaven miraculous miracle help power from heaven and we will hear the testimonies also of what you do in our altars at our homes over this next week we bless israel we return and agree that the pentecost that began in jerusalem will return to jerusalem and bring great salvation to the jew and the full revival awakening to the entire body of christ in jesus name Amen.